Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Uh, before we begin, we want to put out a quick content warning on the topics we'll be discussing. Some of them are definitely triggering, and of course, it is all mature. So please keep that in mind as you enjoy today's episode. Uh, welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Emotional Duct Tape. I'm Corey. I'm Jamie. And we are so glad to have you. I always say that, but we are so thankful for the support we have of this podcast. Every day, Jamie and I gush about every one of you listeners, and we're so glad you're very, here. Very um, grateful. <laughs> most definitely. And uh, please, if you enjoy this podcast, if you're getting something out of it, please share it with your friends. If, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes. Um, just the fact that you're downloading it is support enough. But if you want to go above and beyond, get a gold star for the day. <laughs> Um, feel free to share us. So um, today's guest is another TikTok friend we made. Um, uh, this person is is really unique because uh, when I first found them on TikTok, uh, talked a lot about sobriety and mental health awareness, and she's actively doing what she can to make a difference in the in social media worlds. So please welcome to Emotional Duct Tape, um, today's guest, Jess. Hey! Thank you for being Hi. here, Jess. It's hey, so girl, great. hey. So great to have you. Yeah, it's exciting. You're, you're, it's my first podcast I've ever done, so this, oh, is, really? this is totally new. Aww. Yeah. Well, thank you. We're honored. <laughs> thank yeah, you for, 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 for allowing us to have you. <laughs> so no pressure on us to set a high bar for you and no pressure on you to set a high bar for us. So um, you're here. <laughs> But yeah, so when when I approached you about the idea of we're coming on the podcast, you were like, "Let's do it," which I love. I love your enthusiasm. Um, but you, when, when we talked about kind of like what your grief is, you said you have a lot of different facets of grief, and that's something we've actually seen with a lot of our guests is how um, a lot of their grief comes from all different circumstances and factors in their lives. So um, let's start talking about about some of those things that have have caused you grief in your life. Yeah. So. For me, man, uh, I mean, so I have a friend, this is a terrible joke to make, but I have a friend that called me tongue in cheek, the Grim Reaper, because I feel like as in my thirties, I've dealt with more death than I think he probably would in a lifetime. And so I've experienced, you know, at a very young age, I was 12 years old, watched my best friend die. And then every couple of years since then, it feels like somebody close to me has died. But then also something that I find to be really important for anyone that is struggling in any kind of massive change in their life is that grief, in, in my experience, is not exclusive to death. Everyone thinks, oh, you're grieving who died, you know, it, it, you can, you can grieve miscarriage, infertility, job loss, divorce. Um, and so then with all of the death that I've gone through, I've got things thrown in there. Like I, I had um, really like a violent traumatic sexual assault in my late teens and then um, kind of shunned by my own father and think various different things, but it's just been uh a lot and, and a lot of therapy <laughs> to, to get me through it all, but definitely experienced a lot. I think the most recent one that was probably the hardest for me was a good friend of mine who also happened to be my best friend's husband. Um, he was killed um, just riding his bike. And, you know, it's these things that just, this was about a year and a half ago now. And so it's these small little things where you just don't really know it's, it's the last person, it's their last day on earth. And it's really helped me take things into consideration. Like you live for today and you live like, this is the last time I'm ever going to see you. And that's, that's kind of how I've been changing my process with my interactions with people every single day, my family, my loved ones is life can be so short. Life can literally end right now in the blink of an eye. Knock on wood, let's hope not. But. <laughs> yeah. Especially with, with our, our Grim Reaper now. <laughs> so one thing that you and I share, Jess, is that I too have had a lot of death in my life. So 
um i don't know if you've listened to any episodes previous to this but um we sure mom, we sure have <laughs> yeah, my my mom died when i was 17 um she she had lou gehrig disease and um this disease actually took also her brother and her sister i had another uncle who was a half sibling of hers who died um uh complications from diabetes diabetes from alcoholism I had a best friend uh, die at 23, um, left behind a five-month-old five infant. Um, I've had friends uh, pass away, family, and uh, so I, I feel you on this one, but I'm curious because you have this mentality of, you know, every day, like, value every single moment you're given on this earth, and that, that's beautiful. I think that's perfect. Um, are you desensitized by death now? Uh, like, for me, I feel like death i i can still be sad and i can still mourn um but i feel like i feel like for me death is more of an expectation now at this point and less of a of a, of a surprise do you ever feel feel that way yeah kind of a process of life um not necessarily in my experience um i i, I mean i guess you I guess my answer would be yes and no. I, I've been raised by a medical professional who, you know, she constantly was, you know, dealing with death and all of that and stories I, I, I heard from her at a young age. So that kind of integrated in my mind that it happens. It, it's life. It's, it's a part of life. But when I have been experiencing these losses, no, I don't, I don't feel desensitized to it more so um I feel like it the first few deaths that I had I just kind of blocked it out and ignored it and pretended it didn't happen um but now I I'm not necessarily desensitized more so just comfortable with the process of grieving sure so can you talk a little bit about what it was like you know for you in the beginning because you know I think about the fact that it is likely that listeners will find us because maybe it is their first time going through the grief process. And so, you know, um, I'm curious because you were a child. Um, so what did that grief process look like? You know, essentially your, your first time going through it versus how you're, how you're doing now. And yeah, so I think that would be really nice to kind of hear, get some perspective on that. Yeah, yeah. So I, when, when my close friend died, I think, I want to say I was 12 or 13, I, we were on a camping trip and I watched her drown. And I remember afterwards, I didn't even really put together what was happening. It was almost like this out-of-body experience. I, I feel like looking back, if I, if I try to remember what happened, I feel like I'm looking at myself. I, it was, it's completely like a movie watching this didn't happen. And, um, I, I remember watching Starflight come in and then they had a dive team come in and tons of fire trucks and ambulances and just being in complete shock, but not understanding what was going on. And also in that early age of mine, I, you know, it, she had been underwater for five or six hours at this point, and I still had hope, you know, I was still sitting there thinking, oh, they're going to find her, she's going to be okay. Uh, so I was in complete denial right off the bat, but also just confused, nothing made sense. Um, that was that, I mean, and that lasted for a while, I felt like I was kind of in a uh, like a dream, a cloud state for a couple of months. Um, and then it, I, you know, Kubler-Ross says there's these typical five stages of grief. There are a lot that I did not experience um, with the loss of, or when she died, I did not experience those. And maybe it was because of my age, um, but also Kubler-Ross does go on to continue to say, these are not all, you know, classic or you have to experience them or whatnot um but with each death that I experienced and as I got older it became more I did I did experience the processes a bit differently you know when I was 15 I had a friend commit suicide that was the first suicide death I experienced and that was kind of the same sort of just confused I just felt like what is 
you know, what is this? This doesn't make sense. Um, right. The, the unanswered yeah. questions, I think, um, yeah. that come with suicide. Um, I've now been through two. Um, yeah. One as recent as last week. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, not somebody I was super close to, but somebody I, you know, used to go out you know, within a big group of friends and things. And yeah. it's, it, but you know, it's one of my best friends, best friends. Yeah. And it was just, wow. Well, yeah. and, and then when going off of that, if you've experienced grief in your own way, there's something called a grief trigger. And even the loss of a friend of a friend can still, it can still trigger your own past. Yes. I'm glad you bring that up. Um, you know, and, and not to just, distract from your story, but this is just still so fresh for me. And I, I you know, yeah. I think, um, because you've experienced it and, and actually I'm really glad, like you just mentioned that because, um, I didn't really know that was a thing, uh, <laughs> but I mean, I knew I was triggered, right. Um, my friend called me hysterically crying. Um, you know, this, this is what happened. And like, she was in such shock. So she's just spitting out details, visuals, you know, things that she saw. And I, wow. Um, didn't sleep for days because yeah. not only was I seeing in my head, you know, or, you know, making up the stories and visions of in my head of what she was telling me, cause she wasn't thinking about the fact that it was going to trigger me. She yeah. was hysterical. And I, I, I don't not mad at her by any means. It was just like, you know, you don't realize that also not only can you be triggered by things, but also when a death happens, I, and I never thought about this until this happened to me is the way you deliver that news to someone. Oh yeah. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? And the way she delivered it to me really messed me up because she was just telling me every single detail and I'm like, Oh my God, Oh my God. And then I started just thinking about, um, you know, the previous suicide and, and I was, I, I it was just a disaster. So, um, but I, I had realized I was, I knew I was triggered and, um, I kind of had to say to her, Hey, you know, I'm here for you, but also like, this is bringing up things that are really hard for me. And I'm going to need some time before I can, you know, reach yeah. out to our other friends and kind of talk people through it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's interesting that, that that's, uh, how did you learn that through therapy or? Uh, yeah, in my own education, kind of, I just, uh, yeah, great, great trigger is, is, is a real thing. And I learned it through both my own studies and walking through like PTSD therapy and all of that. Sure. So, yeah. um, going back to what you were saying, um, you know, 15 is still a really young age to yeah. go through yeah. that. And, and like, it is kind of crazy to say, Oh, you know, the first suicide that I dealt oh, with, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, so go on about you, you felt the same kind of way as you did with the previous one yeah yeah and and, and it just kind of continued you know I, I unfortunately me being in recovery and I I just celebrated my nine years which I'm excited about but congratulations not, thank you but the nine years that I've been in recovery I have met so many people that have been trying to get sober whether it be from drugs or alcohol. And unfortunately, a lot of times that go hand, that goes hand in hand with that. Because if any, if any listener is in sobriety, you'll know that it is going to end in jail institutions or death. And unfortunately, I've lost several people to overdoses or uh, liver failure because of alcoholism and things like that. And that's, that's just a common one, unfortunately. And um, that that one's tough. That one I think hits home hardest for me just because I know that battle uh, personally so deeply. Um, that one's hard. And, um, but then, you know, I've got these crazy stories like my childhood best friend. We hadn't been friends. And this is actually something that I find to be really intriguing or fascinating. I'm not sure the best way to put it, but. Um, a childhood best friend of mine, we hadn't spoken probably 10 years. And I decided, hey, I want to reconnect with her. I looked her up on Facebook, couldn't find her. Um, actually, you know what, at the time, it might have been MySpace, but I'm, <laughs> yes. not, I'm not gonna age myself. <laughs> That's okay. Oh, we, I, I think I just aged myself and Corey in our reaction. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it was probably MySpace, but I, um, I, I couldn't find her anywhere. 
And then, so I Googled her for whatever reason, and I found out she actually had ended up being killed by a serial killer. Like, oh, wow. what are the what? odds? Oh my Whoa. goodness. Yeah. Like you yeah. had some sort of like yeah. Yeah. cosmic and, connection. Oh, it's yeah, it was crazy. Oh, but goodness. the thing is, is I hadn't spoken to her in so long, but I still grieved because, and that's a lot of, a lot of people will think, oh, but you know, I haven't talked to them in 10 years, you know, I shouldn't be feeling this way, but that's no reason not to grieve. And I, I've experienced that in my professional and therapy life and all of that, that so many people will feel like, oh, am I even right to be grieving this way? And there's no right or wrong to any. Grief is just as unique as the individual that's experiencing Abs- it. That's Absolutely. So true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, a, a big thing that we like to put out there because, um, and that's why we like to talk to, uh, you know, people and get everybody's different perspectives because, you know, um, as I had mentioned earlier, like, the first time you go through it, you don't, you've got people asking you questions and, um, you know, checking on you or not checking on you. And then like, yeah. you wonder, like, am I, am I grieving right you know, And yep. <laughs> like, and, and am I, like, what, it, what am I, like, what is this that I'm feeling? And so, um, you know, I do think it's super important to let people know that there is no right or wrong way. Um, but you know, maybe they can identify with, Oh yeah, I felt that too. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and you know, cause I, I think there's a lot of, um, sometimes guilt associated with, absolutely with grief absolutely. and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then survivor's guilt too, is a big one. You, you know, you feel like, um, Oh, why, why, you know, whatever, if it were a car accident and you lived in, passenger died or whatever you feel survivor's guilt is a big one as well and that's that one's a tough one to battle um I personally uh, haven't had to experience that one thank goodness um, <laughs> I yeah. was holding my breath I'm like oh no <laughs> no no I have fortunate yeah I mean that I can toss in some more friends of mine there that have passed in motor vehicle accidents or motorcycle accidents but um I think you know like you were saying there's no there's no right or wrong way for grief and I feel like that that's that's the the biggest takeaway and the biggest thing that I preach when it comes to grief is that it does not look the same on everyone it's not linear you know two months down the road you're going to feel like okay I just laughed for the first time I'm getting better but then the next day you can't get out of bed because you're just back to square one and um, I mean, I've, I've experienced that myself where it was just, you know, I, th- I think, okay, I'm, I'm getting there, I'm getting better, I'm getting better. And then it's just a complete 180 and I feel like I'm sliding back down the mountain. And it's, that's, that's something that so many people, I, I love, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything negative about uh, my dear side. <laughs> psychologist Kubler-Ross but the five stages of grief really make a lot of people feel like okay so first I'm going to experience denial and then anger and then bargaining and then you know depression acceptance it's so it's grief those can all be in conjunction it can all happen at the exact same time you might not even experience one of them or it's different ways people grieve is just for everyone it's different and it's not going to look the same some people you know you hear they just had absolutely zero emotion whatsoever when they were told what happened or if they've lost somebody and myself I've, I've experienced that where it was just like no way um yeah but it's, it's it's very yeah different for everyone yeah and that's truth just about grief too is i mean um Grief is something that it's not like a one one and done deal. It's not like oh, yeah. okay, this happened and I can okay. It's not like you graduated out of your situation. It's <laughs> lear- learning to yeah, grieve properly exactly. is really recognizing when when you feel those those emotions, uh-huh. and and kind of reaffirming yourself with okay, this is what I know. This is what therapy taught me. Right. This is this is what you know what I've what I've learned through myself how to cope. It's kind of this mm-hmm. pro- it's, it's this never ending. And I hate to sound so so negative and so like fatalist, but um, it is never ending because exactly. you're always going to have these situations. Mm-hmm. It, it might it might be the same situation, you know, like on the anniversary of a death, 
you oh, know, yeah. you, you may find yourself react, you know, my mom, um, she lost her dad to Lou Gehrig before she passed away years ago. And we noticed like every, every year around the anniversary of his death, my mom got a lot meaner and a lot more emotional and a yeah. lot crankier. Um, so, I mean, there's the, it could be the sort of thing like that. It could be a brand new situation of grief. Um, mm -hmm. but really it's just about how can I take what I know and use it to combat the feelings I have right now that are trying to drag me down. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And then you, you know, once you, I think with the acceptance of whatever it may be that you're grieving, a lot of times it's, it's like, you're saying, how do I, how do I, you know, deal with this and process this, what I'm feeling right now. But with that, it's a, hu a huge part of it is like for my best friend that lost her husband is your life will never be the same. You mm -hmm. will just adapt to your new normal. And, and for, for me, that, that, that's, you know, I didn't want the new normal. I wanted life the way it used to be, but it, it, the acceptance and adapting to the new normal is, yeah, it sucks and it's hard and it's ugly. And some days it, it's, you know, you wake up and you, for a couple seconds or minutes, you think that, no, um, everything's still the way it used to be. And then you're hit with that stark reminder. Holy crap. Nope. This right. Gone or yeah. Yeah. Right. Like when you go to text that person, yes. or like, oh, I got to yeah. call them or, you know, yep. that kind of yeah. thing. Um, yeah. And then you're like, oh, and, 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 you know, um, I don't know how you would deal with that piece of it, but I'll just text the person if I oh, yeah, want to talk to them or I just talk to them aloud. Absolutely. Yeah, no. And, and, and something that I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I know that before I did get off of Facebook, they had recently started introducing that like uh, in memoriam when, mm -hmm. when someone does pass away that they can change their Facebook to like, a, like a memorial status Facebook. Oh, and okay. I know I've seen um, when that had happened, a lot of people would post like, Hey, thinking of you today. And I thought that was beautiful. It's it like is it's, beautiful. It's, you know, it's it's one yeah, one way to oh, reach out and <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's like it's just you know, some people have you know, you go to either their graveyard or you go to their Facebook and write a little note and say, but um, my uh, my mom. So I guess my grandmother. She did pass away in April. Um, and my mom has told me it's same thing that she has voicemails that she can't delete that she wants to call her sometimes she'll never and, and I'm just like go with it mom don't delete her don't you she's she's gone she's not physically here anymore but you can keep those mementos and yeah I mean I say text that text them whatever it might be somebody else that's got their number now and they're like who is this person <laughs> but well, how often yeah. do you see those stories too? Like uh, you see them on social media where someone's like, I, I sent this text to this number that belonged to my, my kid who died and someone responded back and, yeah. you know, it, it like wow. they give some kind of cathartic, you know, response. And, yes. Um, yes. That just, that's exactly what you need when you need it. Um, yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't have any voicemails for my mom because she passed away before we had really big cell phones, yeah. but I have letters she wrote um, oh, wow. me when I was younger and like I think about the legacy I want to leave my son one day and I don't have to pay dying anytime soon um please but, don't Corey we have a podcast, we have a podcast <laughs> but like I have this idea of like I should record a series of videos uh put them wow, on, a Google, on a hard drive and then you know so um, I just saw, do you know Humans of New York? The, uh, the, uh, the, is, is it like an Instagram? Or? Yeah, they do it everywhere, but they had yeah. one, I think I shared it with Jamie, but this girl who, um, she was going to have her first child and her mom died when she was younger and her mom gave her videos for each landmark year of her life, you know, so graduating college and getting married and then the death, the, the birth of her first child. And that was the last video her mother ever gave her. And she was terrified wow. to watch the video because it meant that was the end of those things. Yeah. Um, and she said after she watched the video, she felt peace and everything because she had her child and it kind of came full circle. But wow. yeah, um, it's interesting to think about what what we end up cherishing or or even, you know, thinking about now, like how can we leave something for the, future. the people yeah. who, are, who are left behind? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So I'm curious too. So when you were younger, uh, 
going through all these situations, um, were, were you seeking their, I mean, I know your mom, your mom, medical professional, and she was kind of helping you with the idea of death, but I mean, the mental side of it, were you seeing their therapists? Were you trying to? No. Yeah, no, I wish I had. Um, I didn't, I don't really, I know my mom, I, I've talked to her actually within the last couple of weeks about, you know, how with children in this pandemic, the mental health, in general, the mental health crisis is out of control. But with children, it's being kind of dismissed. And so I was talking to my mom about different signs. And I know I didn't see therapy uh, or see therapists back then. I actually first started seeing a therapist when I was maybe 20 or so. Um, and it was in, in order to get sober. And then it was just like, oh, and all of this has happened. And then it was kind of like, we have a lot to work through. Um, I, I wish I had. I, I, and so for, if there is anyone listening that has, you know, um, a child that may be, man, get them into therapy, get them in therapies. I wish I had. I think that that's why, you know, when I said I didn't feel um, anything really other than confusion, I think it's because I did not know how to properly walk through the grieving process. And, and still, there's still lasting effects because I did not heal in a proper way from that. Like you will not see me in a swimming pool ever. I do not go swim because of witnessing my friend drown. I, I, I won't do it. I can't do it. And completely valid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there's certain things that, um, I, w- I would be able to live a different life a little bit. I mean, I, I don't really care all that much about swimming, but I wouldn't be, I have, a, I have great, a great deal of anxiety, um, surrounding death. And I, I feel like early therapy probably could have nipped that in the butt a little bit. And I absolutely wish that that had some, that was something that we had done, but now I, unfortunately it kind of just, I was really heavily involved in the church, um, at that age. And I think that my mom with the best intentions, I think she just was hoping that, you know, we would find peace and comfort through the church. Whereas, you know, I, I think I, I, I think I needed probably more professional help at the time. But. Well, no, that's really interesting you say that too, because we actually, we had a, a recent interviewee, a guest on the podcast, my cousin, who was uh-huh. talking about his experience as a child um, and uh, experiencing sexual abuse um, uh-huh. from his stepfather. And I was talking about how, because he grew up in the church as well, and saying, you know, the response was, you know, let's let's pray and let's let's use this to the peace of God to bring us together. But it's like, no, he should have been in therapy. He should have been seeking yeah. some sort of way to process this. Um, yeah, right, or in in conjunction with faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So I'm curious. So I, I know you mentioned you're 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 sober now for nine years, which is great. Yeah. Do um do you think your response to grief early on? was was kind of the starting point for you to to fall into addiction possibly um i think i i do believe so this is hard for me to explain um my dad is an alcoholic i I don't have much contact with my father i don't know if he's still active alcoholic or what um so i mean it's you know controversial but i am of the belief that it is hereditary and of no choice um so but I do believe I fell into addiction due to like my life circumstances that I was trying to avoid and so I I mean absolutely I definitely had some unhealed trauma um especially you I mean you just mentioned your cousin and his sexual assault that was the heaviest thing that I have ever experienced and I, I believe that that definitely was a lot of um, what led me to making these just stupid decisions and then falling down the path of uh, day drinking and complete full-blown addiction and um, for sure and I don't want to say oh if you don't get therapy you're going to be an alcoholic but yeah for me absolutely I think I, I, I wish I had had better um, therapy and help before it got to that point because when I was in uh, early recovery, the therapist that I was working with 
man, was he ever, he was hard-headed and he was tough. Um, he was the one that was going to throw me under the bus, but I needed that. Um, and he was great, but that was a big focus of our, our early on therapy was my um, experience with sexual assault because I think he picked out that that was such a contributing factor into where I was. And so absolutely, for sure. Was, was there a watershed moment, like a turning point? And I mean, obviously you're going through all this, you know, you're, you have this, these pent up grief experiences. I mean, was there a moment like, I mean, what, what was your quote unquote come to Jesus moment? They say, you know, like where, where you realized, okay, I need to get help. Like, was there a point in which you, you said, okay, like we need, like, this is getting out of hand. I need to go and fix this. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I come from a very, very close family. And I know everyone says, oh yeah, my family's close. Like, no, I mean, if I uh, put my phone down, uh, I will come back to probably 15 texts in the family group <laughs> chat that we have. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my family's spread throughout all, our, all the states and, and uh, up in Canada. So we ha- that's how we communicate. But so I have a very close family. Um, but what started happening is my family wasn't trusting me anymore. You know, my, my mom is to this day, my best friend, and I had lost her trust at that time. And she didn't, you know, she would ask me questions and, and I would lie straight to her face. And I was realizing, Lord, I am tearing my family apart. I am my sister's I have two younger sisters and I remember thinking I'm setting this up to be an example. I, I don't want them to be like this, but they easily could follow in my footsteps thinking, oh, well, Jess did this. This is what's normal. And it was really my come to Jesus moment was just, I wanted to break the cycle. I didn't want my family to hate me. I didn't want to be, cause you do, you, I don't know if you watch the show intervention, I'm obsessed with it, but you see, you know, your family will kick you to the curb if you don't kick your addiction. And, and I knew that I was, I was real close to that. I was destroying relationships in my own family. And that's really uh, hard too with, with parents because um, our parents love us. I mean, absolutely. Um, and I, I say this like generously maybe, but like there are parents who will, uh, I know from my biological father who's had uh, issues and um, his mom, my grandma, she loves him so much that she will try to, to, to defend him and not necessarily take his side, but like she'll do everything she can to put him in the best light because yeah. she loves him so much. And I think that's what's hard for parents too, because your mom God bless her that she, you know, she was like, I love you. You're my daughter, but she had to walk a very fine line um, because I, because it's that balance of your love you have for your child. That's unconditional, but also recognizing that am I enabling them to, to behave a certain way? You know, it's, it's that it's really, really delicate. Right. And I also think it's, it's fear, right. You know, so um, uh, God, I, I, I'm coming off a lot of grief in the past week, um, losing that friend. And then I also lost my job. So, um, but I'm thinking about, you know, when I, the first time I lost my job, my father um, flipped out and was like, you know, he was supportive and like, yes, come live with me, like whatever you, whatever you need. But he was very much like um, a little mean in a way, because I think he was worried about, you know, he didn't really have the money to take care of me. So like I had to, you know, would I be okay? Um, so instead of being like as supportive as I needed him, he was a little like brash about it. Um, but this time he's kind of like, well, you know, I saw how good things turned out last time and he's been really kind and really easy. And I was wondering, you know, can you touch on, um, the, your process, um, with getting sober and, you know, did that, um, did a lot of the death that came later, you know, were you, were you, did you make friends in recovery that you've lost? Um, because that's something that, um, I live in Delray beach, Florida, um, which, yeah. yeah. So a better known (laughs) as well, lesser known, I should say as the rehab capital of America. Um, 
Yeah, it's a party. Yes, well, yeah, you know, it's like it's 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 like it's crazy. You know, they send a lot of people here for recovery, but at the same time, it's like a very very big party scene too. So it's like it it I understand that it makes sense, you know, to be by the beach to heal and you know and get sober, but at the same time, like there's also like this big town downtown area with. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of drugs and there's a lot of stuff. Um, so all that to say, I have had, you know, a big, uh, community of, of people I know, and I've seen a lot of them, you know, they're, they thankfully are doing well, but they've, you know, lost a lot of friends. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of my close friends that, uh, so I did go into a 30 day treatment program in order to get sober. I, I was really blessed to be able to do that. Um, I know not everybody can and not everybody gets that opportunity. Uh, but a good friend that I made while I was in there, she did, um, she stayed the whole uh, program and she stayed sober for probably three months afterwards. And then she went out um which yeah and she she was a heroin addict and she overdosed the oh first time oh my goodness I'm, I'm so sorry I'm so sorry yeah. for, for your loss yeah. uh, all of yeah. your losses <laughs> yeah and, but yeah yeah no and that was tough because in, in early sobriety I mean my natural instinct to drown out any uncomfortable feelings was to pick up a bottle of wine and and so I really leaned on my support system at that time. Um, allowing myself to feel the grief that my therapist had, you know, been teaching me and all of that, but also, man, I, I, it was really, uh, you know, and, and this is going to sound terrible, but in one, in some ways it was beneficial for me and others, uh, my friends at the time, to see, man, that's how real this is. That's how powerful this is. And that's how quick it can be gone in one second, one, you know? And so it helped, I mean, man, it was hard for me, but it probably kept me sober longer. You know, it, it was tough. Um, And then I I have had not friends that I've met in recovery, um, like while I was getting sober, but friends I've met throughout the years that are, um, trying to get sober or were sober and relapsed uh, that have passed away and it's it's heartbreaking it's it's definitely uh it's it's a it's a death that is avoidable in a sense you know it's it's just it yeah I mean it's it's not a choice but it's not cancer I mean there's it's yeah yeah absolutely What's interesting too is that because for so many people, you know, um, substances, alcohol, they're all a crutch as a resp- to to help themselves um, get through living through grief. And yeah. so you have on one hand where where I'm sure oh, right, yeah. like after you got a <laughs> program and you know even you're trying to you know keep yourself sober and and stay vigilant, um, you have these these external forces that are throwing at you saying like. Hey, you know, like your friend just died, you know, it'd be so much easier to, to just to not think about it and to take, take a drink. But then you're also like, wait, this kind of addictions will just like kill them. So you're, you're kind of like this, exactly. I mean, you basically have to find another way to, 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 yeah. to, uh, support yourself because, um, yeah. either side of that, of that argument is, is, is not what you need. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So let's talk about some of those. Oh, really, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, yeah, you're really stuck between a, a rock and a hard place there, where you're just like, no matter where I turn, I'm gonna mess it up. And so, yeah, it's absolutely, you're totally right, Corey. You seem like a driven person now. So, I mean, are are you the kind of person that like once you? I want to say this. I, I once you got out of recovery, once you got like through recovery thirty day program, and you're out there. I mean, were you pretty much like, okay, I'm going to do this, or did you kind of have to to build that assuredness, so that that um, that drive to push yourself? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I, I, you know, it's funny. I've talked to so many people, and I say this. Kind of, I have such a boring 
recovery story because I decided I wanted to get sober. I went to a treatment facility and I've That's been sober. That's a beautiful too. story. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, but it's, I guess, inspirational, not so much because you hear of so many people that are like, oh, it took me three tries, but now I finally did it. And I've been sober for 25 years or whatever it may be. For me, it was when I put my mind to it and I decided I'm not going to destroy my life and I'm not going to destroy my family and I'm not going to end up in jail and all of that. Yeah, no, it was, it was a one and done deal for me. And it, it yeah. And I'm lucky. I, I truly am. And I say that I'm, I'm, you know, I, I recognize that that is not the the same for everyone. A lot of people experience it a lot harder. Yeah. Um, so I would love to talk about and hear about some of, you know, the positive ways and things that have come out of um, your really, you know, tough hand that you were dealt, um, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and maybe talk a little bit about um, how you've built this community online and are really making an impact yeah. and just letting people know that like, hey, this is normal and you're not crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I am absolutely, I always say I'm a feeler. I embrace emotions, whether they're ugly, unfamiliar, happy. I, I through and through to my core, I love feelings. I like it. It's love of my life is feelings. And so I really, <laughs> I've been able to really take that and uh, you know, whether it be people I've met online or something I'm experiencing or my best friend when she still is struggling with the loss of her husband, I, I, my feelings are what I sit in and I, I love it, you know? And so that's really how it's impacted and helped me the most is just being okay with it, accepting it, letting yourself feel it um don't sit in it for too long because you don't want to sit in those ugly ones but that's really something that's come out of all of this for me is just just embracing you know the human experience this is part of life and it's not always pretty it's not fun but you know it's it's good for you at the end of the day builds your strength well what's what's amazing is that i'm i'm right with you there just because i there are people who try to focus on like always being happy but i'm like yeah you know what let's like we're 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 now the the fact that we have a full range of emotions that makes that's like the beauty of humanity is like that we're capable of feeling something else but you know we we're able to be hurt or to feel joy or to feel fear. I sound like I'm talking about Inside Out the movie, but um, yeah. maybe, <laughs> we've got all these little people controlling us in our but but in like we're, we're we're given this full spectrum of emotions that they're all essential to who we are as a person. And um, absolutely, yeah, I I think and it's always hard too because I when I see people you know and even especially on like TikTok and social media you know it's always they're saying their sad story and it's a picture of them you know a video of them being sad and. Um, people are like, you got this, you know, you're so strong, you know, you can do this. And I'm like, Hey, feel what you need to feel. Don't, don't let it drag you down, but feel this out, you know, let, let it, let it take over for a little while so you can get through it. Yeah. I, yeah, I love, I love that we're talking about this because, um, it's, it's definitely not everybody's uh, first inclination, right? And Corey knows this is that I always say, yeah. like, I'm a sap when it comes to everybody else. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to my own emotions, I am, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that's just like, I have to forge forward and, and all of that. Yeah. And, you know, um, it took me way too long to learn that, like, it's okay to just cry when you need to cry and like nobody's gonna walk away from you nobody's gonna think you're dramatic you know because that was I think a big thing for me was I don't I don't want people to think that I'm weak or I don't want people to think that I'm you know overly sensitive or I'm dramatic or I'm this and that and it's like I think in accepting your feelings you also have to um put aside your pride (laughs) absolutely yeah. And you don't always have to be strong. And, and, and in all reality, me seeing these people that I have always um, deemed as a strong person, like my mother or, you know, whoever it may be, when I see them weak, 
to me, that's, that makes them a stronger yes. person. And, and so bottling those feelings up in order to, oh, you know, pull up your bootstraps and just, you know, keep on going. Uh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to just constantly feel like, oh, you know, I've got to do this. Can't cry. Hold it in. Be, be brave. Be strong. No, no. Feel it. Yes. Feel it. Just like you were talking. It's hard, yeah. but... And just like you were talking about earlier of um, not healing properly from yeah. your, your trauma because you, you just didn't know how or and you weren't maybe given the right resources or whatever. Um, that's a, that's very um, important yeah. is that, you know, um, if you don't feel <laughs> your feelings, um, yeah, it's exactly. just, they're going to come out. They're going to come out. Um, oh, yeah. at some point, oh, yeah. exactly. exactly. Inevitable. Ex- thank you. <laughs> well, and for me too, you know, I, I was a very sensitive kid growing up. Um, and I, for the most part I had, a, I was raised by a single mom for, for the first few years. Uh-huh. And so I was okay to be with my with emotions. And then, um, being the, the father of a small boy, I never tell him he can't cry. I'm never like, ah, oh, suck it up. Stop, fine, yeah. You know? oh, thank God. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. dude, you got to cry. Good. Caleb, like, come on, I'm going to give you a hug while you cry. Um, I, such a, I, such I, a I good daddy. Well, that. I try. I'm not, I'm not always a great dad, but I, I want him to be able to know that it's okay, that he can be, show his emotions. He can be angry. He can be Absolutely. sad. He can be scared. Um, right now he's at a sleepover and he decided he'd want to come home. So my wife is driving to the daycare down the road to pick him up and bring him back home and when he gets when he gets home i'm gonna give him a hug if he's sad about it i'll say hey man it's okay let's talk about it so um yeah i love that and that is so important with today's society of men feeling like they have to be the strong ones and the toxic masculinity and uh men's mental health goes so ignored and so what you're doing for your son that's huge that's well, I think, I think that's powerful. also part of the conversation too, really, is that because of the three of us, we all kind of grew up in a generation where we were kind of the transitory generation between like the old world mentality of how you handle your problems. Oh, and yeah. then um, we're also, we're, we're the, a, we're part of the generation where it was, you push it down, you don't talk about it, or you just, you know, you're tough, you know, it's, you just, you just got the, the, you know, the whatever it is, but then on the other side of it now, we're older, we're the ones who recognize mental health and the importance that they're- Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's really true, Corey. We're, um, we're kind of, yeah, we're, we're just that, that little middle ground. Yeah. We're the in-between. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds so stupid. It's just this, I never, a year ago when I got on TikTok, never in a million years would I thought I would say this, but I swear that app changes and saves lives. They're, they're putting out there are so many powerful therapists on there. There's so much powerful um, content where you sit there. And I've sat, I found myself relating to people that are complete strangers that probably live on the other side of the world because they're experiencing something that I've been going through or whatever. And absolutely, we are, really are, like you're saying, we're really in this place now where men, the, the stigma around mental health and grief and keep your emotions to yourself and all of that is really being dismantled and we're we're accepting that we're human like we're gonna do it yeah what's, what's great too is because you think about other social media platforms like facebook you know you don't want to know what people's issues are because people uh, air their dirty laundry like crazy on facebook you're like i don't want to be part of that and then instagram's a little little more the middle zone twitter everyone's gaslighting everything you know but tiktok yeah. is this place where everyone's like guys i'm feeling sad and we're all like we're here for you, sad boy. We're gonna we help you. Yes. Okay, you know, like, <laughs> yes. Or they, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I wonder, especially for the amount that you post about mental health. Um, in my experience, uh-huh. I have a lot of um, followers unload on me, but I'm okay with it because they clearly need someone. And if I've got the time, you know, I, I, we could be saving a life. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and Absolutely. everybody, Absolutely. We're, we're all like, just like you were saying, we're all human, but do you experience that as well? Do you have people unloading? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, I do. Um, it's actually strange. I, 
and, and, and I don't know if this is helpful or not, but I have uh, for some reason on my TikTok, and I know some people have said that they don't have this, but I have two inboxes and one inbox is of people that are not right. my yep. friends. And I don't know if it's country based or what, but there's times where I will kindly go over and check that, which I don't often do. And I will see something from a week ago of somebody that's like, Hey, I'm feeling really sad. Can we talk? And it breaks my heart <laughs> that I missed it. But, but yeah, on both, um, uh, both Instagram and TikTok, I get a lot of messages. Um, and I'm more than happy to help to the extent that I can, you know, I, I don't want to ever enable, um, because a lot of, a lot of the people that reach out are people Mm -hmm. that are in addiction. Um, but I do, yeah, I do get that a lot. I get that at least on a daily basis. I have somebody, I know I I saw a message before I popped on here of somebody saying, Hey, I really want your help with, uh, something regarding sobriety. And so, I'll be what I'm doing when I get off of this. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's almost, it almost feels like a, a a civic duty in a sense as a creator of, okay, you know, I'm producing content and it's making people feel a certain way or they're identifying with the same kinds of things. And, you know, I just, I love the support um, that the, that social media, um, really has, you know, there is that positive side of it and it's, it, it can be very beautiful. So, um, Jess, we, we have this mantra here on the podcast and we ask all our guests this question as we, we, uh, finish the interview. Um, we have this idea. It's our, our saying is grief is dot, dot, dot. And so we ask each of our guests to finish the sentence. And so we'll ask you, grief is what? Take your time. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah. Man, I, I mean, there's a couple of different things that are Lots popping in my head. That... No, please, you can, you can, it can be more than one thing. We, we, this is honestly, this yeah. is like one of my favorite parts of the, of the podcast. Some, so some yeah. people end with a single word. Some people end yep. with a sentence. It doesn't really matter. It's yeah. So we'd yeah. love to hear what you've got. Well, <laughs> cut out whatever you don't like you know <laughs> um I feel like in one way grief is beautiful I mean you, you you're on this incredible journey that is literally going to alter your entire life um but then on the other hand grief is not linear that's a huge one um to me that I have constantly had to remind myself over for the last 30 years um I think grief is inevitable. You know, we're all going to experience in one way or another. And so what y'all are doing with this podcast is hugely powerful because there's going to be somebody that pops on here that needs it. Um, the grief is inevitable, not linear, and it is not identical. It's unique. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's great. Awesome. Um, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Jess, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast today, for talking with us. Um, this was a great conversation. Yeah, it was amazing. And you're, yeah. you're inspiring and really cool. So we really appreciate oh, it. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. I loved it. It's my, my and you did an amazing <laughs> job. Amazing. You're a great speaker. So yeah, high five. <laughs> Virtual high five. I, I did Thank high you. five. You can't see me, I but I did it. it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Um, awesome. thank you all for being here for tuning in with us and we will talk thanks to you later. everybody bye